You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect diaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Balkan Bread podcast. My name's Amina, and thank you guys so much for being here. If this is your first episode that you're listening to, or you just recently found the podcast, Balkan Bread is a clothing line dedicated to telling the diaspora's stories, and we have this podcast as just another way for us to kind of give the long version of everyone's stories. And yeah, it's super exciting. This is actually our 34th episode. I can't believe I've recorded 33 episodes before this. So I'm very excited. It's going to be a little bit of a heavier topic, as you can tell by the title. However, I do think it's going to be very beneficial for you guys that are listening just because it's, you know, one of those things where if we haven't gone through it personally and, you know, I would not wish this upon anybody, um, we might have a family member who has had cancer and, you know, had to see them go through it and maybe didn't really know the best way to kind of deal with it and just how to be there for people. So, Anyway, I am super excited to have my friend Layla on the episode. She's just going to give a rundown, kind of introduce herself, and we're just going to dive right in. So as Amina just said, uh, my name is Layla. Um, I'm originally from Sarajevo, and I know everyone always says that they're from Sarajevo, but they're, of course, from like some little village around it, but I... uh currently live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I work at a little um, grocery store slash restaurant in Georgia that is Bosnian-owned. Awesome. Thank you for the intro. And I didn't have this on here, but could you just say how old you are just for reference? I am 21. 21. And your birthday is two days after mine. Is that right? Yes. Leo Queen. Yes. (laughs) Another Leo episode. Sorry, guys. Just from the moment that I remember calling you, gosh, I think it was maybe a month or two ago and just kind of asking you to tell me more about what you went through personally and obviously something that is very difficult and something that I couldn't imagine going through and just the way that you talked about it and the way that you really just kind of carried yourself with this grace and not to not act like it's a big deal because it is but just the way that you approached each question and just the whole situation just like your outlook on everything um, I thought was really really refreshing. So um, I'm excited to have everyone hear what you have to say about this particular topic. So we're going to go into the long version of it because I know you have like a short version that you tell people when Mm -hmm. they ask you 
about, you know, when you had cancer and things like that. But let's rewind all the way back to when you first noticed that something just wasn't right and you knew you had to go to the doctor and then eventually go to multiple hospitals. And also, you know, was there this history of cancer in your family? I was doing completely fine. I didn't have any like symptoms of anything leading up to the night where I was feeling really sick. Um, I went about my day as normal. And then towards the end of the night, I started getting really, really bad cramps. And I never was a type of person to get like period cramps or anything like that. So I knew it wasn't anything like that. But my um, sister did her doctor Googling and um, came across that she thinks that it was um, my appendix was like rupturing or something. And I ended up throwing up on the way to the emergency room, actually. So that kind of scared me because I'm like, if it is appendicitis, then that's definitely a sign that it is that. But um, we went to the ER the first night and they did a bunch of scans, I think a couple ultrasounds just to see what it was. And they noticed a nine um, centimeter growth on my ovary, but they weren't too worried about it. They kept saying that it's most likely just an ovarian cyst and those are very common in like women my age. So they weren't too worried about it and they kept trying to send me home. And, but the pain was so unbearable to the point where I just kept having to come back to the ER over and over again for them to either like give me fluids, give me medication, something just to calm me down because I literally didn't sleep like four nights in a row until then. Um, I ended up going to this emergency room um, three nights in a row. And towards the end, they kept seeing that I kept coming back. And they reminded me that they were actually only there for people who were dying. Um, so then my mom noticed that, like, maybe we shouldn't be going to this doctor. So the next day, we ended up going to a different emergency room in Gwinnett. And it was actually the one that I was working at at the time, which made me a little uncomfortable, which is kind of why we didn't want to go there to begin with but um I told them everything that happened and they saw the growth for themselves because they did another ultrasound on me and um that same night we ended up going into surgery and once we went into surgery um they were still like reminding me as soon as I woke up they're like yeah we got the cyst out it's not a problem I'm sorry it was causing you so much pain they showed me how big it was and everything and um I was probably in the hospital for about a week recovering. And then after that, I went to go see them for my two-week post-op appointment. And um, that's when they actually told me. They were like, I just went in to get my scars looked at to make sure they were healing properly and to make sure everything was okay. Well, at least that's what I thought I was going there for. But um, once I saw my doctor, she actually told me, she was like, um, it actually wasn't an ovarian cyst, it was ovarian cancer. And when I was at the ER, um, like getting everything removed and stuff, they were telling me that they got the cyst out and that it didn't rupture. But when I came back from my two week post-op appointment, they were telling me that it was ovarian cancer and that it did rupture during surgery. So basically meaning that it could virtually be like spread anywhere to like my brain, my lungs, anywhere. Um, so yeah, after that, they, um, I started, I think I had 
the week after that, I had to have another surgery to get um, my right fallopian tube removed and to also, like, get some lymph nodes removed just to see if, um, like, the cancer spread anywhere else. Um, and once that happened, I had to start chemo immediately after um, just to for, like, safety precautions to make sure that, like, if it did spread anywhere, that they're getting it out. Um, but there wasn't a history of ovarian cancer, any type of cancer in my family, even though literally my entire family, they're all like hardcore cigarette smokers, but no one's ever had cancer before. I'm the first one. And I was 18 years old when I was diagnosed. And that's the part that usually shocks everyone because ovarian cancer usually happens to women who are in their 40s. 40s to I think 60s so yeah everyone was really surprised when um, I was diagnosed but it was a very specific type of cancer and it's really rare I think only three percent of people get it it's called disogerminoma and it's a germ cell cancer and they're not really sure where it comes from it grows like overnight so it wasn't in me for too long basically yeah it's it's crazy though how you go from just living your normal 18 year old self life and then you start having these pains and you're thinking okay I don't really know what this is but I'm gonna go to the emergency room try to figure it out and then just literally in a matter of days weeks you find out you know that you have cancer I mean that is just it really starts to just change I guess your outlook on everything I would say it's a shock and especially for you know, your family and just everything like that, even though there wasn't that history of cancer, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be taking care of yourself and like going to the doctor and like making sure, you know, that um, everything is good and things like that. So um, I guess you, you kind of already talked about, you know, finding out when you were diagnosed, but Mm -hmm. you know, what was your reaction to it? And how did you find that others reacted differently versus how you reacted? Um, I think my reaction was really different compared to like probably anyone else's um, reaction, just because I think personally, I think I'm a pretty like level-headed person. Like I look at things for like how they're given to me and I just look like, how am I going to like deal with the situation? Like, how am I going to handle this basically? Um, So as soon as she told me, um, I knew it was fine because she told me that um, she removed the uh, tumor from my ovary. And she removed my ovary with it, so I only currently have my left ovary and my left fallopian tube. But when she told me that, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, she already removed everything. I'm like, basically, she told me the rundown of everything and how I'm basically just going to do chemo just in case of any, like, basically, like, leftover cancer that could be anywhere else in my body mm-hmm. um so I knew that I was gonna be okay in a way like as soon as she told me um my mom was really 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 upset obviously like any parent would be she was breaking down crying and the doctor actually kept asking me they're like are you okay like why are you handling this so well kind of mm-hmm. And also because my mom was, like, on the other side of the room, like, bawling her eyes out, you know? I'm, like, I was just trying to calm her down and just let her know that, like, it's already been taken care of. Like, we just have to take care of it a little bit more, you know? 
Um, but even now, till this day, I find that like everyone reacts the same way whenever they do find out. Um, everyone usually feels really bad for me and just is very like sympathetic. But I always try to remind everyone before I do tell them, I'm like, I'm okay now. Like, I don't need any sympathy, you know, mm-hmm. like, just because, like, you don't want to feel that way when you're going through something like that. I mean, it is nice to know people care about you, but it doesn't really make the situation better when you're trying to be positive about things. But you know where they're coming from and you know that they mean well. Exactly. And it's one of those situations where um, I don't want to like compare it to losing somebody close to you, but it's similar in the way where people don't really know how to react sometimes. And Mm -hmm. their first, you know, initial thought is, okay, well, this is a really sad thing. And of course, it's okay to cry and it's okay to get upset about it. I think that's fairly normal, but also that's Mm -hmm. just kind of how people think they're supposed to act and you know even people saying just I'm sorry or oh my gosh you know I don't know you know what to say kind of thing it's 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 a hard situation Mm -hmm. and you just kind of have to take everyone's reactions I think with a grain of salt but yeah um, because a lot of people haven't been through it before in mm -hmm. the past like especially at our age um like cancer isn't really common and people are just usually like the um, older folks who end up like being sick and things like that. But um, I think everyone was more shocked than anything because it's kind of like happened like slowly. Like first one night I was just having cramps and then I went to the ER a bunch of times and then they told me I was okay. And then they're like, oh, just kidding. You're actually not okay. And then it's like, let's start having um, other surgeries. And it's like, we're going to mm-hmm. do chemo. So it's like, It's like one thing after another that I think freaked everyone out and they just kind of weren't expecting it. Um, But of course, like everyone can react however they need to react. Everyone reacts differently. But I think if you do react, I would rather like them react on their own time Mm -hmm. rather than like bring that on to you and like make you feel worse about the situation than you already do. As you go through these things and these different experiences, you know, once you start doing chemo and having all these different changes just to your daily routine and your daily life, you'll start to notice that your relationships, um, friendships with people, your social life, it gets disturbed and it gets kind of changed just after all of that initially happening. So one of the things that we talked about on the phone is, you know, after you were initially diagnosed and you ended up having those two surgeries in one week, you know, explaining to people how, you know, I mean, obviously I would think it was common sense that you wouldn't want to like go out on the (laughs) party, but maybe, maybe it was because you were handling yourself like so well and just carrying Mm -hmm. yourself really well that people almost didn't think it was like, I guess, as serious as it was, or like that big of a deal. So maybe that's why, you know, that was their initial whatever reaction. But how did you find that your relationships and just your social life in general was affected after being diagnosed? Um, Well, I wasn't ever like a really big like party or like someone who liked going out really often. But like when the time was there, like I'd go out every now and again, like with some friends. And I noticed that people would ask me to go out with them, even though, like, they knew what, like, kind of, like, state I was in. When I was doing chemo, I couldn't even, like, walk to my kitchen without feeling like I was going to pass out because I was just so, like, 
physically just like tired and like I felt like I was gonna throw up almost 99% of the time while I was on chemo so I had like I'd finished a chemo session and I'd get like a text from a friend like asking to go out and like to go drink or something I'm like I can't really do those kinds of things you know like I'm kind of sick right now but I feel like that kind of took a toll on some friendships because you realize that like your priorities don't really align right now um I know that like just because I'm sick everyone's lives just like aren't gonna like stop for me you know like Mm -hmm. everyone's still gonna live their life as they want to but I find that it was kind of hard to see like slowly people just like stop asking you to hang out more often or like stop inviting you places or things like that when it's like they you know that they mean well and they don't want to keep inviting you if you're just gonna say no because you're sick but it's still nice to get an invite you know um but I definitely think that like moments like this kind of like show you who is a good friend and who isn't because obviously in the beginning everyone's gonna be there for you everyone's like really sorry that that's happening to you but towards the end it's kind of like they get tired of it so it's like when you're dealing with it for a long period of time they're kind of like well we're not going to invite her because she's sick she's at home like why would we want to do that you know but it's like it's still like if you're going through something like that it would be nice if someone's like hey like we could do like a movie night Mm -hmm. or something like something where I don't have to do a lot of like physical like work to go and do I know I went to like a concert once um, while I was sick and I had to sit in the handicap section because I literally thought I was gonna like pass out and even that was hard and that's when I realized like I can't be doing things like this anymore but it was really really hard but again I think um, it shows people's true colors and it really shows you who's there for you and who's not going to be there for you and it makes you look at your friendships differently with other people that's for sure Definitely 100%. Like anytime you go through anything so difficult like that in life, it really will show you like who your true friends are and things like that. Um, What concert did you end up going to? Um, It was actually, it's really embarrassing, but there's (laughs) these, um, there's these two guys um, on YouTube who do like covers of songs and they were so cute and they were touring together and me and my friend really really liked watching them on youtube because they did like different like remixes of like current songs and it was just really good and the tickets are really really cheap so i think the day um the day that i was supposed to go to the concert they were letting me know that i might have to do a blood transfusion because my blood count was so low and I'm like, no, I have a concert to go to. Can we do a blood transfusion another day, please? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was worth going, so. Um. <laughs> Not really. No. <laughs> I couldn't see. There was a bunch of tall people in front of me. Oh, my. Wait. Oh, wait. Where where? Because I was sitting. Where was it at? Um. Oh, no. What is it called? Uh. It's, I think it's one of them. Um, one of the Atlanta theaters, but I think it got shut down. Maybe the Tabernacle? Yeah, the one where, like, I the, think it's that the one. floor fell or something. The floor broke. I think yeah. so. I think it was that one. Yeah. So, obviously, not a safe place to be. <laughs> there was someone there, actually. Because um, 
while I was like in heels. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> you were going all I was out. In heels. Like, <laughs> I know. Now's the time. I'm like, I'm gonna get this man to marry me. I don't care if I'm bald, he's gonna <laughs> notice me. <laughs> but um I was feeling really sick. So I like found the, you know, like disabled section. I don't know what it's called actually. I think it's disabled or like um handicap or handicap, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um and I noticed they had chairs there, so obviously, like, I don't, I didn't think anyone was going to say anything to me, because obviously I'm a girl mm-hmm. who looks very sick, because I didn't have any hair at the time. Right. And um, someone actually, like, someone who's at the concert, they saw that, like, I couldn't really see uh, much of the concert, so they asked me to get up, and they moved my chair, like, a really, really close to the stage, so I could see the concert better, so I thought that was really nice. Oh, that's so sweet. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. I know. It's like... like- I cried a little. <laughs> well, it's like you don't want to feel like you're ever like a burden or like people have to go out of their way like for you, you know, like if mm-hmm. you're in that kind of mm-hmm. state. But it's nice when people are like they just do it without being asked and they don't make it like mm-hmm. awkward or, you know, like it's just like, yeah, they're uh, like, they're like, get up, mama. I got you. I'll move your chair over. I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. It's It's cool that you are still able to at least like have that experience and, you know. Yeah, it was definitely a good I met the guy who was performing actually um while while we were walking um like to get to the entrance he kind of like pulled up in a car behind us and just got out and I think like he was trying to do it like in a way where like we couldn't see Mm -hmm, him mm -hmm. like I'm pretty sure he's like running low on time yeah um but like once we saw him it's like I'm like that's it like we're getting a picture (laughs) so so we stopped him and we got a picture and I still have the picture of my Instagram my bald little head but if anyone cares to go check it out you can scroll go down have a look what it looks like with having hair how was that though? I mean like losing your hair do you were you really sad about it or were you just like okay this is what it is and just kind of um well like everyone would always tell me like whenever I was little they'd always tell me like my hair is so thick like my hair was kind of like a staple piece for me like I was always known for like having just like really like thick and healthy hair no matter what um so whenever I found out that's like the first thing that came to my mind I'm like wow like I'm gonna have to lose my hair that's gonna suck so I first um I shaved my head myself once I like realized your hair starts falling out around the 14th through the 16th day of doing chemo so I'm like I'm gonna have to do it around like that time so I just doesn't fall out in like big clumps of like hair you know so I decided to shave my head. Um, I had like a little buzz cut for a while. And then um, I was actually, I went in to go do um, chemo one day and they told me that my blood count was really low and I got admitted to the hospital for like um, a week in the ICU because I was so um, like sick. I could have gotten sick from like anyone, like really, really sick. Mm. I could have gotten sick from anyone being around yeah. me. So that's when I noticed that my hair was falling out when I was in the hospital for a week. Um, I just like wake up and like there's like like a bunch of it just like on my pillow or um, like if I like if I even tugged at it just a little bit like a big clump of it would just come out. I thought it was really weird, honestly, at the time, but um, I wasn't too worried about like how I would look Mm -hmm. until I was actually bald. And I'm like, wow, I have a really ugly shaped head. (laughs) Like, What am I going to do now? (laughs) So I guess like kids when they're little, they're supposed to do tummy time. So it's like you lay on your stomach and your like head form shape. 
into like the egg shape that it's supposed to be. So I guess when I was little, I didn't do tummy time because the back of my head is literally like as flat as a wall. So I'm like, mom, how dare you let me walk around like this? So I did end up getting a couple of wigs, but they were like terrible. Like getting a good wig is like you have to pay around like $2,000. And I know that some insurances do cover um, the cost of wigs, but it's like the the wig that like, nobody wants kind of like the can I speak to your manager like the ugly ones you know that like no one really wants and it's like I don't want that kind of wig so um I would just wear hats a lot um but the growing out process was probably like the worst for me because when I first started coming in it was so light like my hair is a naturally like a very like ashy brown kind of color but when it was growing back in, it was just very light, almost blonde, like an ashy blonde. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, I don't want my hair to look like this. And um, I definitely look like, I don't know if you know who Goku is, but I looked like <laughs> Goku for like a really, really, really long oh time. <laughs> because my hair is so thick, so it would just stand up all the time. And like, it was just really, really bad. Like, I think it wasn't until my hair hit like, past my shoulders that's when I finally started being like okay now I feel like myself you know because before that I'm like I don't even know who this person is like when I look in the mirror like I didn't I didn't want to cut my hair or anything because I wanted to see like my growth and like how it was coming in and stuff like that but it did make me really insecure at times like if I'd have to go out so I know like when you blend in your foundation you have to like blend it into your neck you know Mm -hmm. But it's, like, when you don't have hair and when you're bald, like, you can't, like, blend your foundation into, like, into your hairline because you don't have a hairline. So it's, like, you have, like, a line (laughs) on your forehead because your head is so pale, but it's, like, you don't want to put foundation on your bald head. Like, what would be the point of that? But, yeah, um, it was was tough, but um, once it finally grew back, um, that's when I started feeling, like, okay. Like, I'm good. I'm not. I even thought about growing my hair out and like donate donating it. But me being the dumb person that I am, I recently dyed my hair blonde and like bleached it like six times. And they don't allow mm-hmm. um, dyed hair when you donate it. And I've actually heard that you have to pay to donate it, which I don't think is really fair that you have to do that. Hmm. So yeah, I thought that was really really weird when I found that out through. Um what's the one locks of love or is there like a specific one for i think there's a i think there's a couple of different ones but i think you have to pay for all of them to donate um yeah i know um sometimes they allow people to get free wigs but even then like most cancer patients do have to pay for the wigs that like other people make specifically for cancer patients Mm. so it's like that kind of sucks yeah no for sure but hey your hair grew back and you know it's all that matters I think yeah and it's it's one of those things where it is like such a big part of you I I I can say the same thing like I've always had very thick hair too so it's like even when I first started cutting my hair like kind of short you know like to my shoulders and stuff I was like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. I look so different like who is this person and now I really like it because it's a lot less you know maintenance and things like that but I couldn't even imagine like just not having any of it at all but at the same time it's like you know it's just a temporary kind of thing that will grow back it's like it's just hair exactly and it'll grow back you know like it, it doesn't define who you are 
And it's funny, um, growing up, my mom would always um, tell me that I have, like, very hairy arms. So while I was doing chemo, I lost hair, like, everywhere. Like, my entire body was hairless, except for my arms. So she'd always make fun of me. She's like, it's so funny. You lost hair everywhere, but your hairy arms are still there, (laughs) still intact. I'm like, I'm waiting for them to just fall out. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's really interesting. That's bizarre, but actually hilarious. Wow. I didn't end up losing my eyebrows and my eyelashes until after I finished chemo. So I thought that was really weird as oh, well. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that part. Wow, that's mm-hmm. that's crazy. I love how we're just talking about it and we're just like laughing now. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> didn't have eyebrows. Just thinking about my bald head. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Dude, not having eyebrows was probably the worst part. They, they I'm frame like, your how face. Su- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, how am I supposed to like, do anything with myself? Like, they're just non-existent. Yeah, and just like draw them on, but I don't think that would even look good yeah, without you have, like, pencil eyebrows yeah exactly exactly straight out of the 2000s <laughs> <laughs> pretty much pretty much um no that's 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 great um so just going back to going through chemo and everything like that so you went through it yourself but I think a lot of us listening to this we've had a family member who has had cancer um or you know a friend or acquaintance someone um we've seen them going through chemo and how it's affected, you know, their body and how they start to look different. And I think people's first initial reaction, as we were saying, is to be really sad for you. But Mm -hmm. do you find that's actually the best way for them to handle it? Or what kind of advice would you give to anyone who knows someone that's going through it? Like, what can they do for that person? Because ultimately, you can't really do a whole lot. But what would you say to those people? Um, I don't really think that, like, handling it, like, that way, like, being sad would be a good way to handle it, because I feel like it puts a lot of stress and kind of almost like a burden on the other person's shoulders, like, the person going through it, it puts a lot of, like, stress on their shoulders, because you don't want, like, you want them to be strong for you, you don't want to have to be strong for Mm -hmm. them, because they're not the ones going through it, you know, so it's like, when you do witness people around you, like, breaking down, crying, um, my mom, anytime I'd get my blood drawn, that woman would be in the hallway sobbing. I'm like, like, I, I need a minute to be sad, too, you know? Right, so it's exactly. like, So it's like, you know, like, you don't really like to see that kind of stuff. I would definitely try being positive and just, like, happy around mm-hmm. them and, like, handle things on your own time, you yeah. know? Yeah, because it's like you need like a strong support system when you do go through something like that. And I know I'm not saying that like people being emotional, people crying. I'm not saying that's not being there for them and that's not being strong. It's just you don't want to put that kind of like stress Mm -hmm. and that kind of weight on that person's shoulders because they're already going through it as is. So it's like you need to let them be sad, Mm -hmm. you know. You need to let them, like, go through whatever emotion they want to feel, you know? Because a lot of the time, like, I did, like, like I was saying, when I lost my hair, I was sad sometimes, like, looking in the mirror, like, when I was getting ready. Like, I just didn't feel like myself. So I'd feel sad, and I just wouldn't tell anybody mm-hmm. that. Because I'm, like, you're already sad as is about, like, my, like, state of, like, my health and stuff like that. So I wouldn't come to them and be like, hey, I'm really sad about, like, my appearance right now. But it's like, they're already down as is. You don't want to, like, get them even more down, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing too that also really helps just just very like simple um is just making that person laugh. I know that sounds so Definitely. like simple and like uh, why would you even make a joke, you know, when it's something so serious mm-hmm. going on, but that's something that really helped me um just when my dad passed and like having all my friends come over and just like watch a movie and like joke about like stupid stuff yeah. like because we had all gone to college together so we're like oh remember you know in entrepreneurship class when this like dumb thing happened <laughs> or oh, remember when we like yeah. got together and did this it's just like funny to like mm-hmm. look back on stuff with people and so just kind of getting their mind off of it I think helps because you know they already know the situation they already know what's happening it's like it's almost like the whole thing going on with like um covid right now it's like everyone's talking yeah. about it we know what's happening we know how many freaking cases there are in the u.s and stuff like that but it's like i can only i don't barely even watch the news anymore but it's like we just turn mm-hmm. it on me and my mom are like yeah we'll just turn it on for like five minutes at the end of the day just to kind of you know see what's happening you gotta feel what's happening yeah, but i could not mm-hmm. have that playing like the entire day all day yeah. so it's like mm-hmm. same with this thing it's like of course it's on your mind but you have to kind of find ways to almost like distract yourself like get out of your own yeah. mind and just like think about something exactly. else in a way exactly definitely so yeah I think that's that's good advice for anyone else listening and I know your mom was there with you throughout this um and she took you to every chemo appointment which is awesome um she is a custodian at a high school actually the same high school that I um went to growing up um so her shift is originally supposed to be from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And my chemos were somewhere around 10 or 11 a.m. every day. Mm-hmm. And I would either have to go to chemos, doctor's appointments. There'd be some days where I'd have, like, three doctor's appointments in one day. So it was just really stressful at that time. But she handled everything so well. She ended up changing her schedule from being 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. to around like three to whatever time she can leave by just to make sure that she makes it to my chemo. She would come every day with like, I know I wouldn't be able to eat sometimes, but anything that like I was craving, she would go out and go get. Like I know it's, um, I've been a vegetarian for about six years now. And um one day I just randomly was craving um beef flavored ramen and I'm like mom I need you to go get me some beef flavored ramen to chemo like right now like I just want it so bad (laughs) she's like you're a vegetarian are you sure you want to do this I'm like yes just give me the ramen and she actually went and got it but by the time she came back I didn't want it anymore but every single day that she came to chemo she would be I knew that she was so tired because obviously I have a little sister and at the time she wasn't too old she was around I think either two or one I think she was two at the time um so she had to take care of her and take care of me at the same time and work and still like do things around the house you know but um so she would come to my chemos well she would go to work and then come to my chemo straight after and my chemos would take a long time anywhere from like five to six hours because I had to do so many different types and they had to make sure that my body was handling it okay in order for me to um, Mm -hmm. be able to like be okay after this at home because there was most nights where I like couldn't even sleep because I just felt so sick and so nauseous but um, 
she would stay there and there would be a lot of times where she would just end up falling asleep in like the waiting room chairs and my chemo nurses were so nice they'd always bring her like a pillow and like a heated blanket because they knew that she was tired because she told them like I'm sorry like I'm late I've been working they're like do not worry about it we will take care of your daughter but um yeah she she's just I feel like that's how people should handle things just like I know I said that she was she still is very emotional when it comes to stuff like that even like seeing like videos or pictures of me when I was sick just like bring like tears to her eyes I don't know why she's just very emotional but um I think that's like a really good way to handle it like she definitely took a lot of the stress off of my shoulders. My worries were only like, oh, like, how am I going to get to chemo the next day? Like, am I going to be okay enough to drive myself mm. there? But like, her worries were like, how am I going to get to work? How am I going to get to her chemo? What am I going to bring her to eat? When am I going to sleep? When am I going to go pick up my other daughter? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Things like that. So it's definitely like, she is the epitome of like, what a good person is. I love that woman so much. That's awesome. Yeah, I can just see her coming in there with the what is it like the <laughs> twenty pack of Robin, like just walking. In yes, <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> like, just kidding. I was having like a little episode. Oh Forget that even happened. All those, all those different <laughs> cravings and stuff. I mean, I feel like. Oh my god, I felt like a pregnant woman. I would tell people that all the time. I'm like, never would I ever like just crave meat. And then while I was on chemo, I'm like, just give me a steak, <laughs> give me something. But now I'm like, that's disgusting. What was I thinking? Uh, well, <laughs> and it's like your body is going to crave different things depending on you know mm-hmm. what you're going through. I'm sure there's. And yeah. I was never, um, I was never hungry. So like, as soon as she knew that I had an appetite for something, she did anything in her power to go get that thing. Cause she's like, she's usually not hungry and she's hungry right now. Let me take advantage of this time <laughs> and let me go get her whatever she wants to eat. Yeah, Making sure that you eat. I mean, that's in any mother's, you know, instinct. So mm-hmm. it, it's hard to see. Yeah. It's hard to see someone that you love to, you know, so weak and just not themselves yeah. and you really want mm-hmm. to help them, but there's only so much that you can do. And so I think just being there for the person is huge. Um, even if that person and the thing too that's important to note is that person like if you're going through it you're just trying to stay strong for yourself and you're never gonna want to like ask anyone to like bring you something like for help because I would always Mm -hmm. feel like my friends would be like oh well do you need anything I'm gonna bring you anything and I'm like no that's okay I'm good because I feel guilty I'm like I don't want to tell them to bring Mm -hmm. me stuff and then I have like yeah my friend Jake coming over with like seven pints of like ben and jerry's ice cream <laughs> he's like i didn't know what i love wanted, it he... <laughs> so that's i didn't I, know what you wanted so i, I bought all of them <laughs> and we definitely ate every single one um anyone we had like so much just random like food like that's the first thing people do is like they'll just like i don't know bring you food bring yeah, food like so yes. common um anyway so that's that's crazy um and then I guess so we kind of gave them a time frame so like this all first started happening end of 2016 and then mm-hmm. how long were you you know doing chemo for and um just you know eventually going into remission and everything like that um I started doing chemo um I think it was end of February and I finished luckily around April of 2017 and that's when um, I've been in remission since. Um, I My doctor told me I have a 70% chance that I won't ever come mm-hmm. back. 
Um, so I'm holding on to that, but um, I still do checkups every um, six months. And I think for the next, I think, I don't know how to do math. So that's three yeah. years. So I guess for two right. more years, I'm, I'm going to have to see them for every six months. And then once I finish up five years, I'm going to have to see them. Um, I'm going to have to see them every one mm-hmm. year. So, yeah. Um, so remission is basically just like, making sure like your blood counts okay um i go get my blood drawn every six months and every one year i have to go get my scans done so they can like see if there's any like abnormal things going on in my body and things like that yeah it's like it might sound like a lot but it's probably nothing compared to obviously Mm -hmm. what you were going through definitely it was a lot in the beginning because um i had to go every one Mm -hmm. month and then after one year, I had to go every three months. And then after that, I had to go every mm. four months. And I'm finally to every six months. And I'm like, thank God. It was God. too much. Because <laughs> anytime, yeah, anytime I go to my oncologist's office, I love him so much. He did most of my surgeries and all of my chemos. But I love him so much. But anytime I go to see him, we're in the waiting room anywhere from like three to five hours. It's ridiculous. So it's like the whole day is like dedicated to me in that waiting room just like waiting because a lot of the women that he sees they're older ladies so like you know no offense to any older people but um you know they ask a lot of questions like they're they take up a lot of his time he has to do exams on every single one of them things like that so we're waiting for a really really long time my mom's like contemplated changing um oncologist offices before and I'm like I love him so much like he's been with me through everything like he's great I love yeah. him <laughs> Dr. Salmeri if you're listening to this I love him <laughs> I'll send this to him that's awesome yeah yeah clearly he's a good doctor if that's how long it takes mm-hmm. to wait and sometimes it's better to do that like it's all about like trust like who you know and like trusting them you know like I'd rather yeah it's better yeah safe I'd than rather sorry. wait a little bit longer if I really like trust the doctor and the person but yeah. at least you're not having to go as often anymore so that's mm-hmm. definitely that's definitely a good thing and um real quick another thing too that I saw recently which I think this was the reason actually why I initially like reached out to you just about this because mm-hmm. me and you have been following each other and stuff like that um for like yeah, years long time. like <laughs> like I, I don't know how but like I don't know like how I came across you but we've been following each other for right because when you were talking about that concert and everything and I'm like now I'm like thinking mm-hmm. I think I remember like seeing that picture or something <laughs> I think I posted it actually yesterday because oh, okay. yesterday was like a year since uh three years since oh, I've been really? okay. so I, I, that's what I think oh, it was yeah well maybe mm-hmm. it was that that's awesome though that's that's really cool yeah. but yeah, something that you had posted was, um, like, what was it? It was this quote, and it said, you don't think it'll ever happen to you until it does. And I just thought that was really mm-hmm. relevant if you've ever been through anything difficult or, like, you see someone Definitely. go through something difficult, and you're like, oh, that sucks. But, you know, that's, like, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but you're thinking, oh, yeah, it's not going to happen to me, like, you know, whatever. And then yeah, it happens definitely. to you, and you're mm-hmm. like, holy cow, what now? So um, mm-hmm. I thought that was... That was interesting, but um, yeah, if you want to elaborate on that more. Um, I think ever since I was sick and ever since I found out, like, the first thing that, like, came to my mind was, like, I never thought this would be me, you know? Like, I'd go through, like, I had my whole life planned out. Like, I knew that 
I took a year off of um like school after I graduated high school and I was planning on going back in 2017 but I couldn't do that because I got sick so it's like I had this whole like life planned out before then and it's like I truly genuinely like I would see like the little St. Jude's commercials of all the little kids like who are really sick and stuff like that and those commercials were so so sad and I'd always look at them and I'm like like, I don't think that would ever be me, you know? Like, you just go about, like, your life. Like, just thinking that you're, like, invincible. and Like, nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. You're never going to get sick. You're never going to, like, I don't know, get into a car accident. You're never going to lose someone you love. Things like that. But, like, life is so unexpected. Like, especially with COVID going on right now, like, anything could happen. Like, right now anyone could be sick and we don't know it and we're sitting here like making jokes like you know what I mean I know I'm one of them too like you just you never think it's gonna happen to you until it does and you're like oh crap like this is happening like you know what I mean and that's the thing too it's like we talk about oh well what should we say to people who are going through it and how do we deal Mm -hmm. with it and it's like there really isn't a good answer to that question unless that person has been through it themselves or been through something similar and you know even if they have like if they've also lost someone close to them or whatever even if it's like the same you know figure and stuff it's not the same it's so different because everyone's relationship Mm -hmm. is different Mm -hmm. with that person or you know with whatever Mm -hmm. they're going through and things like that but um I think it's just the reality of the situation and just just kind of how life is I mean point blank like stuff's gonna happen and there's a lot of uncertainty like you can't clean it out Mm -mm. you can't like you know like make your way around it like things happen you just gotta deal with them as they come well, as long as you're, you know, alive and healthy kind of thing, like those are the most, you know, important things. And and it's it, that mm-hmm. sounds simple in itself, but it's like so freaking true. As long as you have your health, like exactly, oh my gosh, everyone takes like everyone takes their mm-hmm. health for granted. I when I was sick, I would just like even now I am so lazy sometimes. Like I do not want to go to the gym. Like my sister invites me to go climb Stone Mountain every day. I'm like, <laughs> no, stop asking me. But I know that like when I was sick, I'd like lay in bed and I'd be so sick, so exhausted from like walking to the bathroom. And I would just like want to go out. I'd want to walk around the park. I'd want to exercise. I just remember like laying there just thinking like I'm never gonna take this for granted ever again just because mm-hmm. like I know what it's like now to not have your health so I know like in the future I'm not gonna take that for granted anymore exactly. even though I do now sometimes <laughs> there's definitely those moments but at least you have that like thought in the back of your mind that's like hey like, mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's always like, remember when you went through that thing and you know it didn't pack you that much no, yeah for sure 100 mm-hmm. percent it definitely helped me have a different outlook. Yeah, on it totally like will change your outlook. Um, even if you can't see it like right then and there, it, like looking back on it, yeah, In the future. it definitely mm-hmm. does. Um, so that was a great wrap up. Do you have any final words for our listeners? Um, something I've always told people is just you know your body better than anyone else does. So when someone's telling you, like, you're okay, like, don't worry about it, you're not sick, like, you'll be fine, just if you think that something's wrong and you want to go get it looked at or you want to go get, like, a scan done, just go ahead and do it because 
until your mind is at ease with the situation, it's going to bother you and you never know what it could be. So like any little thing in my life that like if I'm if I have a cough now, I'll immediately think like, oh, maybe I should go get like checked out. Like Maybe it is something like something like that. You know, you never want to take like people's opinion mm-hmm. on things and like change how you are with them. Because my mom is the type of person who never goes to the doctor for literally anything. And now she's definitely changed because she, um, after that happened to me, she's like, any little thing, we're like, we're going to the doctor mm-hmm. right now. Um, but definitely don't take things in your life for granted because you literally just don't know what the future holds. You don't know what tomorrow can bring you. Like, you just have to be thankful for every day that you have and love with everything that you have and just be positive. And as long as you have, like, your health, your family, and, you know, as long as you wake up every day and you're healthy, you're breathing, you don't really have a lot to worry about. And I feel like people just overcomplicate mm-hmm. life. No, 100%. And then it's like, you'll find, and I mean, I do this too, with little things, like you get upset over little things. And then like an hour goes by. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Why was I even? Like, yeah. why, exactly. Why did you even stress exactly. out about Cause it? Because I always think about, you know, I always ask myself if I'm going through something that's whether it be with, you know, just work career wise, or with family or other relationships, I always think about, you know, would this really matter in a year? And then I think about situations. I do the yeah, same like thing. Yeah, like if I was so stressed out about something, you know, a year ago, like it could be like the most like petty thing, whatever. But for whatever reason, I was yeah. so upset about it. And then I'm thinking to where I am now and I'm like, okay, that thought doesn't even cross my mind anymore. So whenever exactly. I get stressed mm-hmm. about something, and it's more so things that I really like just don't have control over. Like stuff just happens. I can't force someone to you know do this thing for me or whatever it might be like you just you just Mm -hmm. like well it's probably not going to matter and you know if it's really supposed to happen it's going to happen like you can't you can't get yeah that's how I would go about life for a long long time even before this all happened I'd always ask people like if someone would get really worked up about something I'm like this isn't going to matter to you in a couple of years. So why are you stressing out about it now? Like, you know what I mean? Unless it's like a big thing that's happening in your life mm-hmm. right now. Like you'll be okay. Right. You know, everything's oh, yeah. going to be fine. I mean, I'm not saying like, don't get upset or don't get stressed. Cause those are just natural yeah, reactions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like having that mm-hmm. in the back of your mind always helps. Cause like, I think about some stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, Oh my God, that was literally like, literally made no sense. And it just, it's yeah. so crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like when you act a little crazy and you're like, mm, maybe yeah. that. <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much. Oh my gosh. Well, those were awesome parting words, final pieces of advice. And um, anyone Thank else, you. you know, listening to this, if you guys, if you guys made it this far in the episode, um, definitely take a screenshot, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whichever platform and Go ahead and post that to your Instagram story and tag us at Balkan Bread so we can see that you guys have been listening. Let us know your favorite part of the episode. And if you are interested in being on an upcoming episode, definitely send us an email. It's hello at BalkanBread.com with the subject line podcast. So thank you again, Layla, for being here. 
thank you for having me. This is great. I love talking about yeah, everything. We love to talk. That's our that's our Leo thing. Right? <laughs> that's our that's thing. Our thing. <laughs> so any other Leos that want to be on the podcast, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah, Get her exactly. Up. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, again, so much, and we will talk to you guys on the next episode. Bye, guys.